This episode is brought to you by Novilla Mattresses. I consider Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory to be my arch nemesis. Even though I say this, I know we have one thing in common. That is, we both have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. For Grandpa Joe, that's because he is a bad person. For me, it's because I sleep on a mattress made by Novilla, today's sponsor. Meet their Bliss Organic Memory Foam Mattress. Perfect for those who want a cool, dry, undisturbed sleep throughout the night made with organic bamboo charcoal fiber, excellent motion isolation, cooling gel-infused memory foam that fits all bed frames and is reasonably priced between $179 and $369. Perfect for if you want an inexpensive mattress for you, your children, or even for your guest room. Like I said, I personally sleep on a Novilla mattress, and it has done wonders for me. Throw out that cheap Walmart mattress you got in college and get yourself a mattress made by Novilla. Using promo code SHWEEZY or the link in our description, you can save 10% on any purchase through Novilla directly. Become just like Grandpa Joe on a Novilla mattress today. Again, that's 10% off using promo code SHWEEZY. A reminder, when you use our links, you directly support this show. What is going on, they, thems, boys and girls, women, men, gender fluids and, uh, and, uh, attack helicopters, I'm more of a defense helicopter myself, welcome to Cancel Shweezy, the, uh, the Lord's trademark favorite podcast, welcome to the show today, folks, you made it, you made it to the show, you figured out how to click on a few things on the internet, and you found me. This is where your life has ended up. You found me, and I couldn't be more happy for you here. Welcome to the show today. I'm here with you in front of a real brick wall. This brick wall is not fake at all. See, knocked on it, and it was it was a it was real too. Welcome to the show, folks. Today, um, literally, I think this may be our best episode we've ever done. I know I say that every week, but this week I can't imagine. The show only gets better. Like, this show does not get worse week by week. It only gets better. I mean, if unless YouTube becomes uncensored, then uh, we might be playing some gross shit on here, folks. Uh, but uh, no, I think the only thing, this, this show is only going up, folks. And I'm lucky to have you here right now in this very moment. We're on episode 71. The, this show is only going up from here. And you get to be on this show on the rise. Uh, this isn't just me on this show. This is you on this show. I like to pretend that we're sitting here having a conversation and I am not letting you get a single word in. That is the kind of the primary goal of this podcast is, uh, for me to sit here and for you to be listening and to not be able to get a word in. Cause that's how friendships work, right? I sit here, I talk nonstop and you don't reply. That's how friendships work, and that's the kind of friendship we have here. And uh, this is the type of guy you get. <coughs> well, anyways, though, uh, what? Welcome to the show today. Because um, we got a good one. You're listening to Cancel Sweezy. If you didn't know, Cancel Sweezy is the only podcast out there um, that will question why Cinderella's shoes were made to be a perfect fit, but they fell off. We're the only show 
willing to go over topics like that. Not on this episode, though. We're not going to do it on this episode. Maybe another episode we will. Maybe we should review a Cinderella movie. Um, maybe some bullshit. Or maybe some bullshit like Mr. Krabs and Arthur uh, put headphones on, but they're not on their ears. Uh, that's what happens when you ask me to listen to your band. I will not listen to it. And if I do, the headphones will be off. Uh, they'll be out of my ears. If you're watching, you can see this action. You see how my in-ears are out now? Uh, that's how I'm listening to you. No, I'm listening to it like this. Uh, they're in my hands. That's how I'm listening to your band right now. I'm not even monitoring myself. Uh, I assume nothing bad's going to happen uh, because this is a very simple setup. Uh, and I'm not going to flex on the actual dollar amount of my actual podcast setup. It's very weird. People talk shit. My friends talk shit about my podcast all the time. But then they like realize, I'm like, you know, quality-wise of like the technical quality of this podcast is really good. And that's the, uh, at least audio wise is really good. Camera video wise. I'd really like it to be better. I think I need to upgrade my computer. Um, and then, you know, it's like upgrade cameras, but I think it's a nice thing. Audio wise. It's like, I'm exactly where I need to be to make literally the Lord's trademark favorite podcast. So welcome to the show today. I don't know. Why I always say welcome to the show today. Um, anyways, though, I, I always have to start off with this. You need to go check out my music. It's everywhere that you stream music. That's Spotify. That's Apple music. That's title. That's Deezer. That is YouTube. You can even find the music on TikTok. You can make TikTok dumbass dances uh, of my music. And you know what? If you're a woman and all you do is lip sync and dance, you literally make the worst content on TikTok. And I'm going to tell you, you bore the living fuck out of me. Uh, so if you go and check out my music, it's out there. But uh, speaking of TikTok, I'm on TikTok, at the Shweezy. I'm on Instagram, at the Shweezy. I'm on Facebook at the Shweezy, and I'm also on Twitter at the Shweezy. You can literally find me on the only social media platforms that matter right now. That's where you'll find me. I will be there, and I will be posting. So why not follow me so you know more about what I do? So much to do, so much to see. So what's wrong with taking the backseat? Um, like social media, also at the Shweezy or twitch.tv slash the Shweezy. There is my Twitch. Um, I was on Facebook Live, experimented with that. Uh, I got, I'm going to burp like crazy. Um, experimented with that, but I think Twitch is going to be a better option for us right now. So we're back over at Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Shweezy, a great way uh, to go check us out there. I typically streaming every Thursday. I think the previous day of this episode came out, I... The new season of Fortnite dropped. I want to play that on a stream. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I'll probably do Tuesday. I might not. I haven't decided whether or not yet. I got some stuff going on in the life that I uh, don't talk about because uh, they involve other people that's going on. And uh, may, I'll, may, may be able to tell you guys when when the timing's right. You know, you know like, there's some things that, like, you have to keep things kind of, like, close to the chest for a while and then eventually, at some point, you get to tell people. I'll eventually tell everyone what's going on. But uh, uh, there's some stuff going on in the in the non-glamour life I do, uh, the stuff that doesn't get posted on the internet uh, that has been going on. So uh, it also involves other people. So that's that's the big thing uh, with what's going on. So that's why I can't really do it. If it's just me, I'll fucking tell you. 
uh, when when it's the appropriate time. But right now, I don't think it's the appropriate time. But anyways, though, uh, Tuesday, I might be streaming. Might not, but the day has already passed, so you probably missed it if you want to watch a, a live stream that has already been streamed. I don't know. It kind of misses out on the fun. Uh, but Thursdays, I always stream, and uh, I am starting Mario Sunshine. Uh, I got, like, the 3D All-Stars on the Switch, like, last September. September 2020, and uh, I've yet to start playing Sunshine. I played, I've played Mario 64 forever ago. I streamed uh, when the game came out. I streamed Galaxy, so I really need to play Sunshine. That's one that and Galaxy Two, the only mainstream Mario games I have not played. So, uh, Daddy, Daddy's gonna have to play it. So go check me out there. What you don't know is with Twitch, uh, you if you have an Amazon Prime account, you can connect it with your Twitch and you get a Twitch Prime account that offers you one free subscribe every month. If you don't know, uh, you can follow anyone on Twitch for free uh, as long as you, you, know, you have your account. That's free. Follow anyone you want. Uh, if you have a subscribe, though, that's a way to financially support a creator or streamer over on Twitch. If you have an Amazon Prime, that's one free subscribe. Subscribes are typically around $5 each, so that's basically a $5 offer that you get free every month with your Amazon Prime subscription that you're already getting, so why not help out Daddy over there? That's a great way to financially support the show without really spending any extra money that you already do. But however, you do want to—if you have whole money burning a hole in your pocket—you gotta get rid of it. Gotta get rid of that shit. Uh, you can always go support us on Patreon. Patreon is a great way to support any creator. Uh, you know, in regards to fluctuating ad rates and all that shit with our ads and stuff like that, Patreon is just a great way to support a creator and uh, really helps me out. Really helps. Uh, my life, and so I always want to say thank you to all those people, and uh, don't be stingy. Come on, Mark, don't be stingy. Okay, so, uh, yeah, but also, you know, I mean, financially supporting the show obviously makes me hard, but what also makes me hard is all the free shit you can also do. Um, like I said, you can always, if you're watching the show on YouTube, uh, you can always obviously like our episodes. That's a great way to uh, help us. We're trying to infiltrate algorithms. Make sure you subscribe. That way you get notified when we upload our highlights, when we upload our full episodes, um, and anything else we might possibly do. Leave us a comment, uh, especially on our highlights. We do post highlights very frequently of uh, what we do on the show. And uh, with the highlights, uh, what you know what can kind of help go on is um, that's really kind of narrowing down what we're talking about subject by subject, and you can share it with your friends. I know trying to get a friend into a podcast can be somewhat difficult because, like, where do they begin? Well, the nice thing about what we're doing here with the highlights is that they can watch highlights of what they're interested in to kind of help them get in and uh, really helping us. Uh, that's really a great way to help us infiltrate algorithms is mainly just uh, – sending out highlights to uh, to your friends. Share with your friends, you know. Um, you know how when you watch porn, there's always a link that says uh, uh, share, I mean, like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You know, it's, it's the same concept. Share it with your friend. You know, your grandma wants to see what porn you've been jerking off to. And therefore, I, it's, it, Cancel Shweezy is porn but better. Um, that's a shirt right there. Cancel Shweezy is porn but better. Um, anyway, that's, that's the stuff you can do for free. Um, if you're the audio only listeners, which I know most of you, we majority, we are a majority audio only podcast, which, you know, like when we started going on YouTube, I'm like, why is no one checking out the show on YouTube? And then I'm like comforted by our audio only stack, but like stats, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not like, you feel like you're, you're a failure or whatever. But, um, anyways, though, if you're, if you are an audio only listener, like I know majority of you are, make sure that you leave us a review, uh, Give us a star rating. That's five, four, three, two, one. Uh, star, whatever you want to give us. We don't 
that we don't judge. We would like the five, but we understand when we get the one. We got haters out there, and the haters are going to hate. But we we've stand against the haters here at Cancel Shweezy, and you will too. So thank you for helping us out here. That's kind of all I have to say. Thank you all. Um, for those of you who listen to this, thank you for the support. means the world to me. Um, with that all being said, though, let's get into the news. The news, what we call previous week right now. What is previous week right now? Some of you may be asking, or some of you, if you're first time here, you're popping your cancel shweezy cherry, as I like to say. Well, previous week right now is I go, I'm, I'm, I'm a news junkie. I, nah, that's not true. I, I like to stumble across news articles, uh, the ones I think that matter throughout the week. And, uh, you have your local news. They're going over gas prices and inflation and whatever the hell is going on over in the Ukraine. And, you know, sometimes we talk about that here, but mainly there's a lot of other important news that the regular news store, the mainstream media, the Sinclair groups of the world won't, they won't bring up to the news. And uh, they're too scared. But I'm not scared. I'm not scared of any, what am I actually scared of? That's, uh, that's, that's, uh, and, uh, I think about, I'm not going to get into that right now. It's, uh, it's nothing like weird, like spiders or clowns, even though I don't, I hate spiders, uh, when they're in home. I think, you know, with spiders, I feel like the rule with spiders, if they're in your home, fucking kill them. I know some people are like, we'll save them. They're not harming you, but they're, they're not harming you. But if some random dude was just hanging out in your home, you wouldn't be like, just put him outside. He's not harming it. Now you'd beat the shit out of him. Um, I have no clue where I was going with that. Um, anyways, though, um, we bring you the real news. And uh, you may wonder, why do you call it previous week right now? Well, we're going over the previous week. And when are we going over the previous week? This is the question you just asked yourself. We're going over it right now. So, uh, yeah, so Elder Franco would say. Let's just jump into it. This one's from Mashable, um, the solid news source. Uh, I trust them with my whole heart. Um, Robert Pattinson tried to invent his own pasta and blew up a microwave. Uh, what? Um, the Batman is a hit. The film starring Robert Pattinson raked in $128.5 million in its opening weekend, the biggest box office debut of the year so far via Vanity Fair. However, an original pasta creation called the Piccolini Quisquinko, folks, this is the show. Um, uh, Italian for Little Pillow may not have been such a hit. Uh, when the movie star sp- first spoke to GQ in 2020 about his pasta endeavor, it was a massive fail. In a video called the GQ Journalist, Pattinson attempted to make a pasta you can hold in your hand with sincere intention of marketing and selling to the public. After unsuccessful attempts to find an inventor who would take him seriously, he had resorted to magazine interviews to tell his idea. Maybe if I say it to GQ, maybe like a partner will just come along, Pattinson revealed. Uh, apparently, the fork needed to eat SpaghettiOs wouldn't be necessary for Pattinson's pasta, which appeared to be similar to a sandwich. He began to cook segments with ingredients bought from the count corner store a lighter nine packages of sliced cheese just any sauce 
uh, and one giant filthy dust-covered box of cornflakes because the store was out of breadcrumbs. He added some sugar in a squiggly blob of pasta to the top of a hamburger bun, then sprinkled some cornflakes, sugar, and cheese on a piece of tinfoil. The next step bordered on disaster. Robert Pattinson continued to prepare the dish by adding sauce atop the cheese, then the microwaved pasta. Next, to, he added more sugar before topping the entire dish with the other half of the hamburger bun. The act actor even burned the initials PC for Piccolini Quizinchio into the bread. Wrapping the whole dish in more foil, the Twilight Star made his vitals misstep, making it for an oven. He puts the ball into a microwave. Oh, 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 a thousand watts. There you go, Pattinson said as he walked away from the appliance. Soon, sparks flew and the microwave cut out with a bang. Yeah, I think I have to leave that one alone, but this is a Piccolini Quizinko. Um, that's, that's the only way I'm going to say it. Pattinson told GQ, Little did Pattinson know, Piccolini Cuisinco could soon become a phenomenon as it's evidence from a simple Google search for Robert Pattinson pasta, which results in entire galore about how to make it and even features on those who have tried to recreate it. I'll buy it without the microwave incident. Hopefully, one writer from The Guardian detailed their experience and gave readers a review of the end result. If there's one saving grace of the bizarre concoction, it's that the mix of ingredients can only be so disgusting, it's almost impossible to ruin pasta, tomato sauce, bread, and cheese. But it's not as terrible as I thought it would be. It's edible, they wrote. But things didn't end there when GQ interviewed Robert Pattinson again in February 2022. He was asked about the pasta foray, his level of sincerity, when it came to both attempting to fashion, prepare, and market the dish. But I was fully actually trying to make that pasta. Like, I was literally in talks with frozen food factories and hoped that the article would be proof of concept. My manager was like, is this really what you want to do? You want your face on a handheld pasta? You know you've got to go to Walmart and really sell it for potentially very little return. Pads had laughed off the idea, but not before he had become a meme and pure internet gold. This was fun to make, but I've never taken so much pleasure in scraping something into the bin, wrote the Guardian experimenter. While the actor still seems open to the pasta he invented, there is a dish Pattinson never wanted, wants to see again after his Batman diet. Um, very interesting. I don't know if this is a joke. Um, for those of you who don't know anything about Robert Pattinson, he, obviously he was uh, Edward in Twilight. He is the new Bruce Wayne Batman. I have not seen the Batman yet. I was kind of like uh, planning on going to see it in theaters, but then I heard the news that uh, HBO Max, so they're making, HBO Max is uh, basically when, a movie's now in theaters, and definitely Warner Brothers is on HBO Max and all that stuff. Uh, there's a 45-day embargo that the movie has to stay in theaters. And then after that, it can, you know, do whatever. So I heard 45 days from, like, when it was released, it's going to be on HBO Max. And they're very much planning on putting it on there. For the 40, I read, like, they're going to put it on there the 46th day. Uh, they're putting the Batman on HBO Max. So I'm like, I'm going to wait at this point. I'm like... It's not Spider. It's not Spider-Man Away Home. It's not. It's not a Marvel movie. I'm definitely seeing. I'm definitely seeing uh, the new Doctor Strange in theaters. That's the next one. I'm not seeing Morbius. Uh, my general rule with the Sony Marvel movies is that I do not put financial money into watching those movies because I think they belong with Marvel. I think they belong with that. I think, you know, I think when Sony, if Sony knows that 
they have nothing if they don't work with Marvel. And, you know, I'm fine, you know, I'm fine with them, like, owning the rights and making Disney pay more, because that's not a problem for me. But, like, I, they need to be, Venom needs to be in the MCU, like, the real, proper Venom, because now there's, like, a Venom symbiote in the MCU, if you haven't watched Spider-Man No Way Home, and, uh, and so, like, I don't know how they're gonna do that, and have the, the, not Ed Hardy, <laughs> God, Tom Hardy, uh, you know, movie and stuff like that, you know, it, it's just, uh, it, it, you know, I like Tom Hardy. <sighs> Venom, let there be carnage. I don't know. It's just kind of cringe. Only really thing that made it worthwhile was the after credit scene, and then that kind of ended up being literally nothing. Um, anyways, though, so I didn't know if he was making that up, but apparently this is real. Um, the thing with Robert Patton's have to do, um, he needs to realize, like, he has his idea. What I would tell him to do if I was him find someone who's like a chef, an experimental chef. There's like this experimental chefs, at least chefs who kind of know what they're doing. Like uh, J. Kenji Lopez, all binging with Babish. He knows uh, Andrew Ray is his real name. I'm a big binging with Babish fan. Uh, they kind of know, they kind of experiment with food and stuff like that and are willing to put in trials and trial and error and stuff like that. So uh, what I think Robert Pattinson should do is find a chef like that who would be willing to like work with him because like Robert Pattinson, the face of the brand is a brilliant idea. And as long as you figure out a good product and sell that, then you have something there. That's that's what they really have to do. Um, but I don't know if they're doing anything. He's just goofing around. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on that. But I guess he's not joking. He's been joking around like a lot of shit. And like it's hard to believe whatever he says in an interview is true. Um, but, you know, I like Robert Pattinson, you know, uh, thought Twilight was kind of goofy. When I was like a kid, I went on a date when I saw Twilight and is, we made out for a little bit, but I thought I was really stupid. And I haven't talked to that girl ever since. Uh, true story. And then I watched it like a couple of years ago. I think one of the early Cancel Sweezy, I talked about Twilight, I rewatched, or I actually watched, I rewatched the first one and watched the other ones for the first time. And, uh... Yeah, I think, you know, if the lore of the vampires and the wolves and stuff was be- it was more about that than the romance, I think it could have been a really good movie. But, uh, you know, life doesn't work that way, and uh, neither do I. So let's move on to our next article. From page six, our great friends who've given us articles like Angelina Jolie eats a hot dog uh, brings us this news that I've been really interested in. Pete Davidson defends amazing Kim Kardashian in text to pussy, they censored pussy, Kanye West. Pete Davidson wants Kanye West to grow the fuck up. Yo, it's Skeet. Can he please take a second and calm down? It's 8 a.m. and it don't gotta be like this. The comedian texted West in screenshots shared by Saturday Night Live guest writer Dave Sirius on Sunday. Kim is literally the best mother I've ever met. What she does for those kids is amazing, and you are so fucking lucky that she's your kid's mom. He continued, I've decided I'm not going to let you treat us like this way anymore, and I'm done being quiet. Grow the fuck up. According to the screenshots, which page six can confirm are real, Wes then asked, Oh, you using profanity now? Where are you right now? Davis and Clatback with a selfie of himself shirtless, under the covers, adding, in bed with your wife. Nice. Uh, West, 44, and Davis, and 28, continued to go at it during their text conversation with the King of Staten Island star, suggesting they meet up in person. 
I'm in LA for the day if you want to stop being a little internet bitch boy and talk. Davidson wrote, you don't scare me, bro. Your actions are so pussy and embarrassing. It's so sad to watch you ruin your legacy on the daily. Davidson at one point changed his tune, however, insisting to Wes, let me help you, man. I struggle with mental stuff, too. It's not an easy journey. You don't have to feel this way anymore. There's no shame in having a little help. You'll be so happy and at peace, he added. I have your back even though you treat me like shit because I want everything to be smooth. But if you continue to press me like you have for the past six months, I'm going to stop being so nice. Davidson texts were in response to the video Wes posted on his own Instagram earlier Sunday in which he called out Kardashian41 for allowing their eight-year-old daughter North to post videos on TikTok. The... Easy rapper also claimed Davidson was antagonizing him through text and bragging about being in bed with his wife. Rest for Kardashian and Davidson did not immediately respond to page six multiple requests for comments. They probably hear like page six and they're like, we're not we're not talking to you. As previously reported, Sirius has posted to social media on behalf of Davidson before, including a tribute post to Bob Saget shortly after news of the Full House alum's death broke in January. Kardashian, who was declared legally single earlier this month, filed for divorce from West last year. They share four kids, North 8, Saint 6, Chicago 4, and Psalm 2. Um, first of all, the first thing that's coming to my mind with all this, um, I really think... Kanye needs to figure his shit out really quick because I feel like Kim is very like I'm just thinking about the kids here and in in my mind if I had a kid with someone we were married and now we're getting divorced the 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 idea in my head would be that I would like the kid to not think that me and their mother hate each other uh, and hate each other's guts, or if there's any weird thing going on there. It, the only thing I want to know, I want them to think is, yeah, they, they just didn't work out. Um, that happens, but I have two great parents and they, they remarried. I have some great set parents too. And stuff like that. That's how I'd want it to be. I want it to be peaceful, at least in the child's eye. But I don't think Kanye is doing a very good job at making the kids think that. I think he really needs to start thinking about his kids first. And honestly, like, yeah, mental health stuff. Um, I mean, I, I, mean, go, I go through it too. Um, and then the process of trying to see a therapist right now. I know that's new. That's that's actually more. Previous week right now, Shweezy tries to see a therapist. I'm going to ruin someone else's life with my stories. Um, like I'm ruining all of yours with this podcast. And I know some of you think, why are you, why are you going to a therapist when you have this podcast? I know it's weird, but um, anyways, though. So yeah, I really think Kanye should really think about his kids uh, before any of this. That's, that's my mind of thought. Um, my other mind of thought is how fucking hilarious Pete David was like, I'm in LA for the day. Where are you at? And he's like, in your, in bed with your wife. <laughs> like, woo, ow. Catch you out of there, man. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I don't know if Kanye needs to talk with, um, I don't think he should be talking with Pete about his mental health stuff, but I do think Kanye really should seek health and that's and help. And I think that's the really hard thing um, to do because when someone need, when you know someone needs help, they actually have to admit they need help before anyone else can help them. And that's the, that's the real sad thing. So there's a lot of sadness to this, but, uh, yeah, I feel like Pete should see, here's the thing with Kanye. If, if it's just, if it's one-on-one, cause I know they probably have friends and stuff like, and they may have like a big friend. I like to make friends with the big, with bigger guys or tough guys and friends who are stronger because um, I can talk shit, but I cannot back myself up with the fists. 
if that makes sense. Like, I could talk shit all day, but they're like, well, when it comes to the physical fights, I'm out, and then I, that's where you get friends to defend you. Um, so I get, you know, so I, I just really think, you know, Kanye probably should need some help, but I thought it was really funny. He's like, I'm in bed with your wife. Um, Kanye should just, I don't know, at this point, he should just think about his kids. I think that's going to be the best thing. Uh, for him to do and uh, for everything to move forward. And I think that's going to be the best way for everything to move uh, a little peacefully. That's just my thoughts. But who am I but a man? I'm just a man or or whatever. One day more, another day, another destiny, the never-ending road to Calgary. These men who seem to know my crime shall surely come a second time. One day more. Okay, no more Les Mis. I don't know how much Les Mis, but Les Mis is probably going to be a theme for a while on the show. I'm sorry. Um, next article. Woman complains of UTI. Scan reveals glass tumbler in bladder. This is from NDTV. A woman from Tunisia who went to the doctor complaining of urinary tract infection, UTI, uh, was shocked to know that there was a glass tumbler stuck in her bladder for four years. The 45-year-old went to the hospital complaining of UTI symptoms like leaking requiring her to always be eating the toilet. But a scan of the woman's bladder revealed a large bladder stone with a glass encased. The doctor said that the stone was a giant 8 centimeter wide that completely encased what appeared to be a drinking glass. The woman's identity has not been revealed. According to the New York Post, the woman told the doctor that she had used the drinking glass as a sex toy four years ago. The report further said that she had inserted the glass tumbler into the urethra instead of the vagina. The woman's case has been published in a medical journal, Science Direct, which also carried the scan and the image of the glass in the stone encasing. The medical journal describes such objects as intravesical foreign bodies. It said that such cases have been reported earlier and the many patients fail to remove them themselves and are very embarrassed to seek medical advice, which results into such scenarios. The doctors of Habib Purgubia University Hospital in Tunisia, city of Sfax, had to perform a cystolithotomy, a type of open surgery used to remove the bladder stone. They further said that no medical history has found except for mood disorder. The doctors also said that there was no blood in her urine in the discussion part of the case published in the medical journal. And comments said that such voluntary introduction through the urethral meatus is that that's real? Okay. Often reflects a particular uh, psychopathological condition. Bladder stones are hard masses of minerals which develop inside the body when urine is not completely emptied from the bladder. The doctors have seen, seen them grow around foreign objects found inside the body. Okay. Um, I'm trying to wrap my brain around here. Now... Apparently, I've not explored the vagina as much as I should have. Um, and apparently, you can stick a tumbler up a urethra. You know, I you know I'm I'm never one to shame someone who not from not understanding the the other sex's bodily functions. That's it's hard to know unless you're you're living with, if you had a I grew up with a brother. He's gay. That's not important to the story. I just like bringing that up. Um, but uh, 
you know, I got, apparently I don't know as much about the vagina as I thought I did. I know there's the thing on the top called the clitoris that they like that think they they think feels good. Um, I didn't know you could get a glass tumbler in there. And I know there's a lot of lies going on here, uh, exclusively from the patient, but I'm just curious how they the this person assumed it was a UTI, but uh, Tumblr. I don't know. I'm I'm just you know. This could be my male privilege speaking here, um, but if I put something in my body um, that's not food um, and it doesn't come out, I get worried. I would get worried. Some people, apparently, it's not as big of a deal. Um, how am I supposed to end this part? How, how am I supposed to do this? Um... The love you make should be equal to the love you take. John Lennon, maybe? Okay. We're... I read it. You heard it. You saw me. If you watch it on YouTube, you saw me speak it out of your, my mouth. Um, is video game addiction a real illness? Last article. Bloomberg Opinion. I wanted to make sure it was Bloomberg Opinion. Computer gaming was one of the lucky industries to grow during the pandemic. Global revenues are expected to pass $200 billion in the next two years, but the industry's financial success is drawing some concern. Last month, the World Health Organization formally recognized video game addiction as an illness, but questions remain about how prevalent the issue is particular among adults. Parmi Olson hosted a Twitter Spaces on March 16th in Henrietta Bowden-Jones, a medical doctor and founder of the UK's National Center for Gaming Disorders. They were joined by Lisa Jarvis, a Bloomberg opinion columnist covering healthcare in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, below is an edited transcript and their conversion. Um, Henrietta, could you, this is from Parmi Olson, uh, Henrietta, could you tell us why you started a clinic for gaming disorders? My national program, Problem Gambling Clinic, it was doing well, and in 2019 was replicated 14 times, managed as a gaming clinic, uh, I'm gonna skim through this, this is very long. Younger cohorts now, these gamers are still living at home. But what I see at this clinic is by no means representative of who is really suffering from this problem, I still perplexed the fact that I'm not really seeing 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds. One has to ask the question, are they out there? Don't know we exist yet. That's unlikely. So are they the ones gaming supposedly not ready to come for help? Or is there a uh, is there a disagreement about whether gaming addiction is real or not? Do you see it as its own clinical problem or is gaming addiction a manifestation of some other underlying I don't see a clear answer yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is... God, this couple pages long. I'm not going to read this all for you. But yeah, you guess uh, gaming disorder thing, and it's looking like it's like everything can be an addiction. And it's trying to it's trying to put it to gambling. So I guess I'll go into this. Um, I and I guess there's a lot of games coming right now with microtransactions. I, I'm a big fan of Fortnite, and uh, I really try to keep my spending in Fortnite very down to a minimum. Uh, Basically, basically, how I've been trying to use Fortnite is I'll occasionally buy a skin, and it has to be something I reckon. It's usually a Marvel character or another superhero. And I try to buy the season. But with the season, though, it's a nice thing is I bought the, I've only bought in the season one time, uh, one or two times. And uh, you basically add the V-Bucks. And in the season, you earn V-Bucks as you go along. 
And so eventually, I think each season is like 950 V-Bucks. You can usually earn that much uh, in the season. So if I just don't spend a lot on skins, which I don't really, you know, I rarely spend money on skins. And then actually you basically pays for itself and you get the next season and stuff like that because then you get all these new skins and characters and it's a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, I play with my friends and we, you know, we have a great time doing it. And I think that's one, that's like the very big positive of playing video games, especially when you get to play with your friends that keeps you social and it keeps you your mind active and stuff like that. That's the great part. That's why I always tell people, if you're in a game, make friends while you do it. Like that's the thing, play with friends, play with other people. And that way you're like, cause if it's just like playing video games by yourself, no one else, it's very bad. And make sure you're friends too. I don't like playing with strangers on the internet uh, and stuff like that. I always think that's weird. Um, but, and I guess some people do, but I, I prefer to play with like friends and stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's a great way. It really helped me through the pandemic. Um, we're talking about gaming as a disorder though. Um, I mean, like when I've been really depressed, I'll just, the only thing I'll really do is like play video games and stuff like that. It's just, uh, it was easy for me. It helped me out during the pandemic a lot. And I'll say it, it has really, gaming has really helped me keep my mind good and everything. Um, I don't know what to say about video game disorder. Um, I think, you know, there's the obvious cases of people, but uh, it, there's also the idea if, like, I invite you out to do something. Once it starts, like, you have to schedule your life around it, you know? It's kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I do schedule things around, like, when it's with friends, but if it's, like, solo things or streaming, you know, productive, because you don't think about it, but I've, I'm a big believer socializing with your friends is important. So if you're doing that through video games, it's fine. And then I do it on Twitch, which, I mean, to me, is part of a job. So, um, yeah. But uh, tell me what you think on that. I, I'd really like to know other people's thoughts on uh, gaming and all that shit. Did you know that 40% of the food in the U.S. goes uneaten? I did, and I don't think that is very cash money, considering $218 billion is the exact dollar amount being thrown away. But now, I know you're asking yourself, what can I do to help? Well, today's sponsor, Imperfect Foods, is here to solve that problem. Imperfect Foods is helping to prevent food waste, and so far, their customers have saved 139 million pounds of food. They're affordable and convenient, making sustainability more accessible. What I love most is that they meet a lot of different dietary needs. In moments I'm stingy with my diet, I always go full throttle on a low-carb diet. They can even hook you up if you're vegan or vegetarian as well. Here's the best part. When you sign up using the link in the description, you get an $80 credit. Holy guacamole from the avocados you can get from Imperfect Food. That is an incredible deal that you should be taking advantage of. So sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Help stop food waste and get an $80 credit. Remember, when you use our links and promos, you directly support this show. You all know that I'm built different, but I bet you are coming to me to learn how to be built different as well. The only way to be built different is to get yourself some supplements from today's sponsor, FNX Fitness. FNX Fitness is committed to creating innovative supplements of the highest quality that provide focus for a productive morning, energy to thrive all day, performance supplements to reach new goals, unique sleep and recovery formulas to support any sport, and healthy supplements to support an active lifestyle for years to come. I also really enjoy their clothing line that makes you look good while working out as well. Another thing I love about FNX Fitness is that with every purchase, they donate a gallon of water to a child in need. Start working out smarter, not harder. By using the link in our description today, you can save 
15% on your purchase. So go save 15% on some of the best supplements out there when using the link in our description. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. So it's time for our finale in the uh, Christian Alternative series we've been doing. This is our final episode. Now, we've gone over pop punk, gone over rock, gone over pop. This week is a weird one. We are skipping hip hop and rap, folks. I'm telling you this. Uh, I know a lot of the band. I know you're like, and it's like, you doesn't like rap. I'm like, I do. I do enjoy it. I was really into it. And the 2010s and then SoundCloud kind of took over and ruined it. Um, but, uh, no, I, I'll say, uh, um, it, that I, I'm just gonna be honest. I'll be, this, this show is all about being raw. Um, really to be honest, uh, I, even when I was super Christian, I never listened to Christian hip hop or Christian rap. Um, so it'd be like me reading a rapper's name than reading an artist. I have no clue who it is. Where the other ones, it's like there's some artists I don't know who they are, but a majority of them, I do know who they are. And so at least gives me something to say. And some of them, you know, I even know these people. So, um, uh, now, now we're moving on to this category. So the category, according to faith factory, it is called worship. Um, so, which is a very interesting category, at least in my mind, because work, because when CZM, Christian contemporary music or worship music, as, as stated as a genre, doesn't make a lot of sense because no other genre that we do that mute, that's been made or whatever, uh, is, uh, described or like the, the sound and everything is described, directly from lyrical ideas. Um, emo, kind of, but emo is kind of part of... Emo is kind of part pop punk, if that makes sense. Um, part pop, part rock. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of a sub-genre inside an already other genre, if that makes sense. There could I could go over the history of emo music if you really want me to, but... Uh, and uh, maybe that's another day. One day more, another day, another destiny. This never-ending road to Calgary. These men who shall not know my crime shall surely come a second time. Uh, okay. I feel like I sing Les Mis better than I sing my own music, which which is very confusing for a lot of reasons. Um, but anyways, though, so this genre is called worship, and now I'm thinking, like I said, this is a genre based solely on lyrical ideas. And so going into this, this idea that uh, uh, trying to find the Christian alternative to worship music, um, there's not, like, because, like, Christian, as far as I know, Christian is the only genre, that, or Christian is the only religion that has its own genre of music. Uh, like, there's not Jew music. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, okay, and I, I, okay, I'm going back, because I think, of course, that's more like he, that's, that's okay, a whole other thing, but this is like white people in the last 50 years, uh, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, really, it's almost like they created an opposite list of, like, Christian art, like, mainstream alternatives to your favorite Christian artist. Um... I know it's it's as weird as it sounds. Um, so, I, I I really think maybe that's that's maybe an idea they had going into making this part of the list. 
Um, another idea is maybe singer songwriters or slash etc. artists, you know, solo artists. Um, they, like artists, you're like, uh, they're not really pop. I would consider these more like singer songwriters. And even then, singer songwriter, like there is a specific kind of sound with singer songwriter. It's like acoustic guitar type thing. But it's pretty. It's a pretty wide genre because you have like a solo artist, but they're like, well, they could be considered pop, but they're also considered a singer songwriter too. So, I maybe we should just call this the Misfits. Uh, but because I'm trying to figure, out, I'm still trying to figure out. I'll probably have it figured out by the time we upload the highlight. But because uh, uh, it'd be a Christian alternatives to worship music, which like is it's a weird thing. Um, it's probably going to be Christian alternatives to singer-songwriter music uh, is honestly what we're probably going to go with. Uh, but anyways, um, as Philip DeFranco would say... Let's just jump into it. Uh, yeah, let's just let's just hop right in, folks. Um, Annie DeFranco, Christian alternative, is Bethany Dillon. Okay. Anna Nali, Naliek, uh, Bethany Dillon as well. So Bethany Dillon apparently sounds like two... Lady artists, I don't know. Aqualung. This is hard to read because this this has been poorly graphically designed. I'm gonna tell you folks. I could I I feel like I'm okay. Graph design, I can do basic things, but this is horribly made. Um Avalung is I believe I'm trying to read this. Tree 63. Alright. Ben Harper, he's really good. Uh Shane and Shane, who's who's okay. Uh, ben Rector, who is Christian. Um, I've seen Ben Rector live. He was really good live. Uh, fan base is very Christian college girl, which uh, may have been why I went to his show in college. But I, I really enjoyed it. I think he's really good. Um, a lot of songs I do like by him. It's very, very white girl. I mean, but I don't think there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Shane and Shane and Matthew West. Now, if it's between... Ben Rector, Shane and Shane, and Matthew West. I will tell you, listen to Ben Rector. He has some good songs. Uh, the Civil Wars, which is no longer a band because they had to fuck each other. Uh, All Sons and Daughters. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good comparison. I think this list is going to be a very good comparison list. Uh, Coldplay, they're on here for like the third, fourth, fifth time. They're probably in hip-hop too, let's be honest. Desperation Band, Bridge City, Martin Smith, Worship Mob, and... The Brilliance. I know The Brilliance is uh, David Gunger's? Is it Michael Gunger, not David Gunger? Um, that's his. That's another project of his. I don't. I think they only have like one album, if I'm correct here. Um, try to avoid that shit. Um, I, I do think Michael Gunger is really good at guitar, but uh, at the same time, uh, which is like unfortunate for when I had to play in churches and the guitar player could not play those parts right. I play them perfectly because I am a genius at learning other people's songs, not at guitar. Um, so yeah, that's Coldplay. I don't know if the Coldplay sounds like the brilliance, to be honest. Um, next one, Copeland, which aren't they Christian too? I could have sworn they're a Christian group. Uh, they have uh, Christian Stanfill. I don't know if that's a good comparison. Death Cab for Cutie, who's been on this... This is literally the third time they've been on this list. They've been in almost every week on this, on this series. It's hard... Like I'm, I've been saying, it is very difficult, I would say, to actually say Blank Band sounds just like Death Cab for Cutie. Death Cab for Cutie is such an original-sounding band. 
and uh, it's more likely that another band sounds like them. But no one really tries to step on that ground, to be honest. And that's Christian Stanfield as well. It's weird. Demi Lovato and Worth Dying For. I don't know what the fuck to think here. Elliot Yaman. I'm very happy they did not say Elliot Smith because we were going to have some fighting words that that's going to go. And that's Chris Tomlin, who I have to imagine... I had to imagine, I don't think Chris Tomlin, I'm trying to imagine meeting him, because I met a lot of people like Chris Tomlin, to imagine, I have to imagine he's a, he'd be a pain to work with, but to talk is not a big thing. But also, he's the kind of guy I think I'd bring up the four-stroke guy, which if those of you don't know, uh, whenever I get into conversations with very, the type of person who tries to sound smart, but really isn't that smart... Like, they bring up Machiavelli, or, that's very Machiavelli of you, or whatever, and I'm like, and I, I read Machiavelli's The Prince in college, and, because I had to, and so then I'll, I like to bring up, and when anytime brings it up, oh, have you read The Prince by Machiavelli? And everyone who says, like, that's very Machiavelli of you, and every time I've asked, have you read The Prince? And they've all said no, but I have read it, because I'm basically the smartest person you've ever known, um... Basically, those type of people are who I'm talking about. And every time, I always bring up the four-stroke guy, which, for those of you who don't know who the four-stroke guy is, I could play the video, but I'd rather describe it. He describes for a couple minutes, and honestly, when you watch it, it's like, this is way too long. Um, he he describes that uh, he smoked some meth, and then he jacked off, and in four strokes, that's why he's called the four-stroke guy, uh, he came with the biggest load that he's ever done. And then... He, he told his brother about it. His brother didn't believe him. So then his brother tried it, and he blew the fattest load in four strokes as well. He jacked off in four strokes. Come believe with my eyes. And so I like to bring that up when people get a little chummy with me. And I think it is the funniest shit uh, ever. Um, Eric Clapton. Um, how is Eric Clapton on it? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, you know, the only way we can get Eric Clapton to get the vaccine is if he, uh, if we call the vaccine, uh, George Harrison's wife, um, Brenton Brown, I, I don't care, um, Fall Out Boy, why the fuck is Fall Out Boy on this list? There, there have been on too many, Fall Out Boy's been on too many of these lists. Okay, we gotta, we gotta pick a genre for Fall Out Boy. Acquire the Fire, which, that, that, you know, sometimes... Someone tells me their band's name, and I'm like, I your band sucks. You know, if your band, if you tell me your band name, and I can immediately tell your band sucks, don't be in a band. Hillsong United, what the fuck? Why is Hillsong United on the mainstream side? Because Justin Bieber likes them? What the fuck? Um, no, no Hope City. What? what? No as in K-N-O-W, but it sounds like No Hope City. What the fuck? Um... Iron and Wine, uh, literally the worst concert I've ever been to was an Iron and Wine concert. Uh, one, because Iron and Wine, I guess the guy's name is Sam or whatever. Uh, good name, um, but uh, he kind of half-assed it, and the audience was pretty pretentious. And he's like, no, we're going to play some older stuff. And then the audience lost their fucking mind. I'm like, this is the worst concert I've ever been to. Uh, compared to The Brilliance, I can see that. I was, for surprisingly, and I guess, like, I don't think Iron and Wine is bad, but that show left such a bad taste in my mouth. It was, like, the brilliance. I think I only went to that show because I had some friends opening up for them. That was the weird thing. 
James Morrison, Matt Papa. Okay. That's a weird, that's a weird. Jason Mraz, Tim Timmons. Feel like, I feel like some people are like, let's, let's have the first same and first and last name. For some reason that's going to be an artist's name. You know, like my last name is Schweckler. Okay. First name is Sam. And I used to be the Sam Schweckler project. And I realized that that name was stupid, and I kind of wanted to change sounds, so I went with Shweezy, because that's a way better. It's short, it's one word, it's perfect. But, uh, Tim Timmons, Philip Phillips, you know, shit like that, it's just weird, okay? Um, Kings of Leon, okay? Uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know what I'm doing right now, I'm just mad at the Kings of Leon for some reason. Mount Juliet, Tennessee. They never claim. I don't even know who the fuck they are. I'm just mad. Why am I just acting upset about this? Lifehouse, who is a Christian band, um, or at least they are Christian. Aaron Shoes, I think actually I kind of like him. Uh, Hillsong United, Jeff Deo. The Lumineers. Now, no one should listen to the Lumineers. That's my opinion. As, As Tom Haverford from Parks and Recreation once said, I once accidentally downloaded a Lumineer song. I had to throw out my whole computer just in case. And that's, and I'm honestly like, that makes sense. Um, ho, hey, like if you make music like that, shut the fuck up. And that's Crowder, not the David Crowder band or David Crowder. It's just called Crowder, which uh, I know my friend Josh Casey, uh, who I haven't talked about him in a while, but I will say um, he... He is a liar, uh, red, uh, uh, registered liar, Joshua Casey. Uh, he, he says David Crowder band or Crowder was better than what his actual band side project was, but I can't remember the name they went by and we're moving on Macmillan. We got Roger Williams and the all mixed up quartet. I, uh, the all mixed up quartet. Obviously I know they, that whole thing is I'm done. Michael Buble and Joel Hinkle. Like, I like Michael Buble, but it's also, like, very, like, it's like suit, it's like tuxedo music, if that makes sense. Michael Buble is tuxedo music. And I, and I'm, it, it upsets me that there's a Christian version of that. Um, Muse and Gunger. I understand why they pick that, but I don't agree with it. I understand, but I don't agree with it. One Republic, we got Desperation Band, Acquire the Fire, and Worship Mob. Worship, I'm not even, some of these like newer ones are new, and they just upset. Worship Mob just makes me mad. All these are making me upset. Um, One Sonic Society, Jeff Deo, Ryan Adams, Matt Marr. Okay, that's fine. Sean McDonald, Brenton Brown. Shine down. Why is Shine Down on this list? Why is Shine Down here? Um, Generation Unleashed, uh, Seager Ross and Gunger. That is the perfect one for this list. That is the key. Um, that is the perfect one for this lift list. Um, Sleeping at Last, The Brilliance makes sense. Yeah, I get that. Snow Patrol. Who's putting Snow Patrol on anything? Okay, and that's that's Jason Morant. Okay, we finally got a perfect one. Sufjan Stevens and Gunger. The the perfect the, the perfect comparison. Every week we have like one perfect comparison that makes the thumbnail, and that is Sufjan Stevens and Gunger. Uh, 
Switchfoot, which is a Christian band, why are you putting on the mainstream side? Uh, are they not Christian enough for you? Faith Factory? Uh, we got Desperation Band. Um, the Killers and Evolution Worship. Fuck Evolution Worship. The Script. Who's fucking... Who needs a Christian version of that? Uh, Generation Unleashed. The Tragically Hip. Matt Papa. You two. Here we go. We got a couple. Jason Morant. Christian Stanfield and Jeremy Hartshorn. Okay, and finally, uh, Vertical Horizon, we got Fee, Planet Shakers, Evolution Worship, Jeremy, Jeremy Harthorn, and the Jordan Howerton Bands. So, that's the end of this list, folks. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to say this is the singer-songwriter list. Um, majority of the right side is complete garbage. Um... Please listen to, please listen to secular music, folks. Don't listen to Christian music. It's most most people who who hit the Christian side hard as we end this series. Most people who hit the Christian side really hard with their music are really doing it just for the money. They're not doing it for anything other than money. Money is the reason they're doing what they're doing, and they're taking advantage of Christians who don't know any better. And I know some people can really relate to their music, but there's only a certain amount of money you should be investing in them, folks. Uh, these, this list has made me, these lists have made me really frustrated, sad. Um, I just think, listen to the music you want to listen to, and at the end of the day, I guess John Lennon said it, the love you make should be equal to the love you take, or whatever. Uh, I like misquoting that all the time. That's really who I am. That is the type of, oh. This is the type of guy you get. Here we go. I forgot I had a soundboard. So I have been watching a lot of TLC content lately. A lot, none of it's good. Um, um, I'm watching a lot of Doctor Pimple Popper, which at some point I need to do a segment on Doctor Pimple Popper. Um, but the thing is with that, I think Doctor Sandra Lee is phenomenal, and uh, so I really have to have a good a good, uh, was it a good topic to talk about? Because that show is very much like a really good dermato dermatologist surgeon removes like incredibly insane things from people's bodies. But it's like the people she removed things from, they'll have like weird <sighs> shit or whatever. Um, but I've been watching a lot of my 600 pound life because I've discovered my 600 pound life. Where are they now? which I don't know how it took me so long to figure that out. And it's like all these people I followed from the original show, they're like, you know, we didn't stop filming them. We just did a year's worth of content. And then the the rest of the content we filmed them for until most of them probably died uh, is going to be on this show until once we get a good end cap to it, we will release it on this show. And so I've been watching My Second Round Life. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on here. One is that you have a cameraman uh, filming all these shower scenes. And I have to imagine, I don't know who, okay, so I'm not educated on who is going in, uh, who is behind the camera. So who's, you know, who's filming, if there's more people there. I don't know who those people are. So what I'm talking about is with reality shows is they'll have, you know, camera people. So usually one or two people. Uh, with a camera, maybe, and then maybe they'll have, like, a producer or a director or whatever. Kind of how reality shows work. You just want a camera, you just want to capture things. Uh, and why 
there's so many reality shows, if you didn't know, it's because they're cheap to make. You just have to film what's going on, and then you can just edit, and then in post-production and editing, you can edit everything in and make good content out of that. Like, uh, if you want to make something more dramatic, you have B-roll of, like, the family just sitting there, just being quiet, waiting patiently, and you put music in the suspenseful thing. It's a whole it's a whole thing on content creation. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to be the best one to describe it right now. But uh, that's basically how it is. So, like, don't believe everything is actually what it is. Like, the editors and the filming people, for these, for especially My 600 Pound Life, this TLC show, probably the worst people who have ever existed. Like, I, you know, like, I'm not a great person. You know, I, I've done really shitty things. And then there's, like, the, the funny things I send my friends that make me a terrible person, like uh, a naked black guy, if you're looking here, uh on YouTube, you can kind of see him, uh, you know, you, you sneak in links to him and pictures of him and a guy who kind of looks like Ed Asner jerking off with his friend Mark and saying the most weird things to do during sexy time, you know, like that stuff. But it's kind of funny because it's your friends. These, these people who are like the production team, everyone who's behind the camera at, at the moment of filming, whoever is there, for these my six hundred pound live shows, especially during the uh, the we have to get a film shot of them trying to clean themselves, are literally the, probably the worst people who've ever existed on planet Earth. Um, and like I gotta be honest, but like if, you, if I've met you know you're at a party or whatever, like the like an adult party, not like a college party, um, and you're just sitting there, you're like, oh, so what do you do? Um, you know, I'll be like, well, I, I do a podcast, I do music too, and I stream over on Twitch, you know? I mean, like, uh, probably start with the music part because apparently being like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a musician is the least worst part of being like, I, I do a podcast. You start off with music, then you go to podcasts. I'm going to be honest, folks. That's, this is how I live my life. Um, and you're like, what do you do? He's like, well, I'm a, I'm a cameraman. I, I do a lot of filming with TLC shows like My 600 Pound Life. I'm like... Oh, you're a garbage human being. You're not a cop. Like, you're not as garbage human being as a cop, but you're up there. <laughs> so, um, these people are just, people are garbage. And my second part of my life is just, uh, I enjoy it because Dr. Now, now Zardin, uh, the weight loss surgeon, like, the reason why he's, he's getting a show is because he will take these crazy large patients and he will do surgery on it because, like, there's some people that are so, they're so big that a lot of doctors are like, I medically as a doctor, they, they don't feel comfortable with how big they are to do surgery on them. But Dr. Nazarden is like, I'm from Iran. Hello, how y'all doing? He's like, I'm from Iran. Uh, you know, it's like, I, I'm assuming he's, he's a full citizen in the United States, but he's from Iran. So uh, we, we got to bring him. He's a small Iranian man, uh, which I assume he has a lot of nose hairs. I haven't looked up there, but I assume he has a lot of nose hairs. Uh, but he's like, fuck it, I'll do it. And we're like, which like, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the idea. If I was gonna be like a surgeon like that or Dr. Lee from my uh Dr. Pimple Popper, be like, I wanna take on these ex insane cases and the challenge is what I like. That's what I feel like if you're if you wanna be a surgeon, like you will you like the challenge and uh you wanna be really good, you wanna be really good at it and you like the challenge. That's how I feel like a good uh surgeon is, you know. I feel like that's what uh if you watch the first Doctor Strange movie, that's what he, uh, that's what uh, Stephen Strange really liked to do. He liked to do these crazy surgeries, and he really liked to look into and see if, like, make sure he would be successful at it. And like this crazy thing is like, I could do that. 
And so, like, I remember the beginning of Doctor Strange, like, he, like, removes a bullet from someone's brain. He's like, well, they're going to be fine. You're obviously in recovery, but they're going to be fine. And, like, Steven's not, and Steven's not doing it to, like, make families, like, happy and wholesome. He's doing it for the idea of, like, the success that comes along with it. Which, the idea of, like, a surgeon, like, the success of, of that, like, you know, obviously... Some people could say you're doing it for the wrong reasons, but uh, but obviously there's a lot of good that comes out of it. So, you know, that's a good thing to do. That's Dr. Nazar. But he, he can sometimes be a dick uh, to the patients, which is can be very interesting. Um, anyways, though, um, so talking a little more about my 600-pound life, I wanted to kind of – I found this, like, list from thelist.com, and I kind of wanted to go over it and, like, read some of the things. Like, my 600-pound life – False things you can stop believing. So, um, I just want to get it right into it. Let's just jump into it. Um, Doctor Now is just in it for the money. Uh, Doctor Yunin Nazardin, or Doctor Now as his patients call him, is quite the character on My 600 Pound Life. He's incredibly straightforward, usually to the point of bluntness, and doesn't feed his patients pretty stories, promising that they won't have to work hard. Sometimes he even seems overly cynical, clinical, so you might wonder if he's just in it for the money or just loves being on television. In truth, however, Doctor Now often doesn't make any money from the weight loss surgeries he performs. Said he, his commitment to medicine is what guides him. Looking at the moral obligation that we've got, you see somebody who has now no life who could have a life. He shared in an interview in Estonia magazine, "We don't need to be rich. We we need to make a living, but we don't need blah blah blah." Okay, so it's shit like that. So yeah, he is what I'm saying here. Like, and I feel like that's you know, morals aside, like mor- morals are out of whack. But obviously, I feel like if you want to be a surgeon and uh, you don't care. I mean, like that's that's a good surgeon here. Like they may not have like an emotional attachment to you, but at the same or an emotional attachment to it. But they are there's like this thing in their head. There's like a gear that turns, and they want to do these surgeries. They want to be successful at these surgeries, and like of uh, like this idea of like there is no chance you were going to survive if we didn't do the surgery. And then they like solve the surgery or whatever, and like you live or whatever. That's what a good surgeon is, and I, I feel like, and like, obviously, their emotional attachment has to be a little bit out of it as a doctor. I know stuff like that is like I couldn't be a doctor because you'd be like, well, your dad died. I definitely couldn't be that because I'm kind of an asshole. I could be a, I could be like the weight loss doctor, just going and be like, so you didn't lose any weight this month? Are you lying to me? I could definitely be that because if, like, before surgery or anything, like, you obviously have, like, the weight loss plan and they didn't lose the weight. It's like, what'd you do? What'd you do, fatso? Fatty boomba? Uh, another one. The patients are paid big bucks to be on the show. Clearly, okay, I'm not even going to read it. I'm like, we clearly know they're not paying paid. TLC, TLC has to be the worst show. It's like, okay, they have to, like, a lot of times, like, to, they, they have to go to Houston to do this weight loss program. Some of them are, like, immobile and so fat that they cannot move. And and here's, there's, like, one Angie. I mean, like, she's a drug addict, and there's a whole other thing with that story. But, like, they, they did her story, and she's like, yeah, I'm homeless now. I'm like, TLC, put her in a fucking shitty motel at least. Don't do this to her. 
Like, don't let her sleep in the goddamn fucking park and then film that shit. This is why I'm saying the cameraman and the production crew on those shows are the shittiest people. Like, yeah, I'll clearly, like, TL, for anything, TLC doesn't pay people anything for this shit. Like, and then you watch, like, 90 Day Fiance, and, like, these people have to spend, like, thousands of dollars to travel to these third world countries to, like, meet their lover or whatever. And then, like, TLC is, like, not paying for any of it. Like, they're giving you the content. You pay pay for the fucking plane ticket. Goddamn, TLC. Like, I know reality television is cheap, but don't be cheap yourselves, you goddamn pieces of shit that I'm going to keep watching because I'm a, um, my morals are somewhere else. Uh, another one, their patients are lying about their pain. Okay, I'm going to have to read this. There are a few things. Things that all patients have in common on my sick part of life and experiencing pain is definitely one of them, whether the pain of walking, pain or driving or pain, or trying to accomplish even the most basic time, what you might be to be like that patients have to be faking it or making things sound worse. They are actually chances of exaggerating how much painful things have gotten according to them, according to the study of the journal. Okay, so yeah, obviously, yeah, they're they're clearly a lot of people are in pain. They're like the beginning of the episode, they're like, My body is a death sentence. I'm in pain every day. I'm like, clearly that's true. Like we we all know that. Um, I thought they were gonna get into like the painkillers or whatever. A lot of these patients are on painkillers. Uh, and rightly so, for some reason. Like they're like, I I don't feel good because I'm fat. And they're like, and shitty doctor will be like, You want some pain pills? This company's paying me to get you on pain pills. Sure. And then it's weird because Dr. Now is like, no, no, hello, how y'all doing? We don't get you on pain pills. And uh, he's like, then he's like, I'm making sure that they get on pain pills. And I'm always one of the guy, like when I, when I really tried to lose weight, like back in 20, early 2020, when I was like losing weight, I really, I kind of like eased myself into a lot of things. Like I figured out, like I wasn't really dieting, but I was like, making meals, like figuring out what meals I wanted, do that. And then once I get into a habit of eating good meals, I would then start working out. So I eat myself into it, which like, you're like, oh, we're going to get you off a pain pill addiction. And then, and you're going to lose weight. So two addictions you're trying to lose at once. I'm like, let's get one addiction first and then go to the other. And, uh, I know pain pills aren't good for you. And these people are fucking like popping in and, and then they have to go to the hospital because they couldn't find a good dealer. And then uh, shit like that. They couldn't find a good dealer. And so they'd be like, yeah, like five people put them in an ambulance and take them out. And he's like, this is a waste of resources. Now, at some point, we're like, maybe take a lot of, maybe, I don't know what to do um, uh, to do with that. What's the next one we have? The enablers can just easily stop bringing food to the patients. Now, this is one I want to do. Now, Austin says most, not if not all of the patients on the show have enablers, usually family members, who are complicit in a patient's compulsive overeating. Often enablers don't just tolerate the overeating, but also will bring patients the very food that's essentially killing them. So once Dr. Now puts his patients on a diet, the enabler should simply be able to stop bringing them food. Wrong! The psychology of addiction and enabling is actually quite com- complicated, according to an article in Psychology Today, penned by Carol Bennett, M.A. In it, she lists the variety of different reasons people enable their loved ones, including fear of hurting their feelings, fear of... Okay, okay, so that... Um, yeah, that's that's something I'm like, I've told like all my friends, I'm like, who I've watched this show with, I'm like, look, I'm gonna tell you if you ever get anywhere like this, I am not gonna be an enabler. Because... Um, if to not enable someone, you kind of have to be a dick a little bit. And I'm, I'm fine with being a dick to my f- friends for good reasons. And 
you know, and, and stuff like this, you know. Um, uh, there was a James King. He was one notorious episode for Enablers. Um, James, like, barely moved. He had leg problem, like a foot problem. And his wife kept uh, enabling and, like, feeding him all this garbage or whatever. And like Doctor Now in the Where Are They Now episode, he's like, "We're gonna have your wa- you. We're gonna separate you from your wife for a week, a week, and see if you make progress." And he's like, "You're not separating my family for a week." Well, I'm like, if you if you're really sticking with this diet, you'd be fine. Uh, James King is now dead, FYI, because um, his wife was enabling him. Um, and James, he wasn't mobile, and that's the thing though. When they're not mobile. Uh, I understand enabling yourself, but like, just be a dick and be like, you know, I'm doing this for your own good. Like most of us don't hate our parents. who did shit like that. So why are you hating your fucking, uh, your baby mom or whatever? Uh, the patients could stop eating without help if they really wanted to. Fat phobia is according to this article, psychology Today, quite rampant in society. And it makes the lives of these individuals, uh, blah, blah, blah. Patients on my same product could just stop eating. Long time viewers of the show all know how hard it can be for patients to make changes they need to make to lose weight. For one, many people with a binge eating disorder have tried for years to control with it without success, according to the Cleveland Clinic. So it's not easy to rein in. Um, so, yeah. So basically, that's just discipline. Discipline is hard. And to be honest with you, basically what I realized, when you see people who are super ripped and in shape, those people are kind of boring because they never have fun. And, uh, you know, and it's uh, for me dating, it's like, I want someone skinnier than me, but I also want someone, but I don't mind if they're, you know, they, they got that thickness to them. Like I do. It's kind of like, I want someone who will motivate me to try to be in better shape, but also we can binge and we can get cheeseburgers and shit like that. You know, like the good stuff. Fans love the shower scene. Um, I'm not going to read that. I can obviously tell you we don't love the shower scene. We don't need that. Uh, the cameramen are shitty people. We, we already discussed that. Uh, doctor now isn't that good of a doctor. Um, I already know. He's actually he's actually a pretty good doctor. Like, you don't know that, like, he's the actual patient. Because, like, um, I have a friend. She got, uh, I think she got weight loss surgery. I know a couple other people who got weight loss surgery as well. Um, they were mobile and very fine when they were, when they got, um, they kind of like, honestly, they could have lived normal lives, like not gotten the surgery, but they got more or less got the surgery for their help, which is a very good thing. I'm not shaming any of them for getting that. Um, but like these patients are immobile. These are the extreme cases. This show is the extreme cases. And, uh, and that's what the the patient's doctor now is taking because he's one of like very few doctors who will actually take these patients. So he is a pretty good doctor, to be honest with you. I think, and I and I do notice this um, a lot of times that sometimes when people who speak English as a second language come across as less intelligent to someone who speaks English as like uh, you know normally, um, and so I feel like that's something you kind of got to understand, like. Like, Dr. Now, like, you think he sounds dumb because he has, like, an accent, but, like, I think that's something you really got to understand. Just because someone's foreign and speaks with an accent does not mean they're dumb. Uh, Weight loss surgery is a quick fix? Nope, it's not. So, basically, all weight loss surgery does is it makes your stomach smaller, and uh, then it just makes you eat less. Uh, You still kind of have to stick in to, you know, really, the best way to lose weight, you got to eat less calories, you gotta, 
you got to burn more calories than you consume. That's how weight loss works. And uh, weight loss surgery doesn't really help. It helps a little bit, but it's not going to be the fix. It's hard for patients to find romantic relationships. Um, if you're if you're a woman, uh, there's always a guy who wants to fuck you, and uh, yeah, there's always someone out there who wants to fuck you. You're a fetish to someone. That's that's life advice. Childhood trauma can't make the patient eat that much. Yeah, it does. We we all cope in our own ways. The patients have to know how big they are. I'm pretty sure they know how big they are. Everyone has a follow-up episode. Um, not if they die. Being obese isn't genetic at all. Yeah, being there there's uh there's obese there's genetics involved with that. I think there's like, you know, you meet people who are like bigger, but like you know, they're not like out of shape, you know. They just have extra body fat or whatever. The show is just like the biggest loser. I have a friend who's on the biggest loser. This is definitely not like the biggest loser. Biggest loser was like competition based. This isn't like a competition. Uh, so, uh, anyways, how I end this, um, TLC has terrible people working there and, uh, they're taking advantage of trash people. That's it. When an enemy shoots at you, you pull out your Captain America shield. When Doc Ock attacks you on a bridge, you control the nanobots from your iron spider suit to control his arms. So why are you allowing all these websites to store your credit card information? The solution to that is today's sponsor, Privacy. Privacy is the first payment product that keeps your personal information private while being even more convenient than using a physical payment card online. Privacy empowers you to protect your physical card information. Each merchant you share your card information with puts you more at risk to hackers or data breaches. Why not use a privacy card instead? By creating a virtual card with privacy for each merchant you shop with, your physical card is safe and secure. Privacy cards can be paused or closed at any time, preventing any future transactions from being authorized. Privacy cards can also be single-use, meaning they close after just one authorized transaction. One of my favorite ways to use privacy is for any service with a free trial that requires a credit card to sign up. But wait, there's more. By using our link in the description, you can get $5 to spend anywhere. That's money that you get to use. So start paying the smart way with privacy. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Anything can be delivered to you these days. Beds, bananas, bricks, and even boxes of beans. But what about alcohol? Yes, even alcohol can be delivered to you thanks to today's sponsor, Drizzly. Drizzly gets all your favorite beer, seltzer, wine, whiskey, and much more delivered directly to your home. With their easy-to-use mobile app, we are getting one step closer to never leaving our homes. You know it's saying something when it is being praised as the Amazon for liquor. Drizzly is my go-to app for getting all the booze I need so I can do other things. So using our link in the description today, you can save $5 off your first purchase through Drizzly. Drizzly has proprietary ID verification technology that it provides to its retail partners that allow drivers to scan IDs for more than a barcode to make sure the purchaser is over 21 years old in the U.S. and of legal drinking age in Canada. Retailers on Drizzly may have a minimum order or delivery fee, so using our link in the description, get $5 off your first order with Drizzly. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Okay, folks, it's time for Ask Sweezy. Ask. Ask is a hard word when you have a Kansas trash mouth. Ask. Because sometimes you say ass. Ask. Ask. 
You ever just say a word and it just starts sounding weird when you fucking start saying it? Uh, Ask Shweezy is the segment of the show where you send me questions over on Instagram or Twitter. You can DM me. I'll just uh, not reply to you and then uh, uh, answer it on the show or you can email. I think, why is our email still the shwecast at gmail.com? Uh, the dead show, our dead name for the show. But uh, anyways, though, which also reminds me, I need to, I need to actually start interviewing people on this show. Um, anyways, though, it's where I answer questions, where I solve all of life's specific problems. And uh, yeah, I, I, and honestly, uh, let's just jump into it. I need to turn that down. But uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's just uh, jump into it. What? Um. We're just gonna we're gonna start high and then go downhill. That's I think that's the only thing we can do. I ate my wife's ass, and two days later, she had diarrhea after Taco Bell. I'm disgusted. What can be done to shake the disgust in this sitch? Okay, so, buddy, I think the only answer is to grow the fuck up. I mean, you ate the. I mean, we're we're thinking about the situation. You didn't eat her ass knowing she just had Taco Bell diarrhea. You ate her ass probably in a very clean state, uh, in a consenting state, because women are typically a lot better at you being like, I'm going to eat your ass, and if she feels comfortable with it, she's going to let you. Um, So I'm going to assume her ass was very clean when you ate it, and you're grossed out now, Two days later, after she had Taco Bell diarrhea, and I know, and I know you, you everyone's thinking like you could just say diarrhea. I'm like Taco Bell diarrhea is a little bit different. Have you ever had like a burrito from Taco Bell and shit afterwards? Man, it's like to me, like I don't even like Taco Bell that much. But I mean, I'll eat it. You know, I, I mean, I'll find something I like and eat it. But like, you know, you eat it and then you're like. Is this worth the diarrhea? <laughs> that she had the diarrhea? And I don't know. I, you, you sound like a young guy. Um, I assume you're a guy. Do you, I feel like lesbians don't do anything with the ass. And that's just my opinion. It just makes sense to me. But also, I've been known to be wrong. But I am the smartest person most of you know. So, um, anyways, we're going to talk about the straights here. So I'm sorry for the gays out there. Or whatever the hell you are. Um, uh, but yeah, doesn't this sound like... Okay, for the for the gay... for the I'm trying to get the gays back on my side. Um, the gays and the leses back on my side. This sounds like a young man's problem, right? Like, you eat ass when you eat ass. And I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be vulnerable with you. Never eaten ass. I've never got my ass eaten. Ass is like on the bucket list... And I really got to get it checked off, to be honest with you. And it's hard. Um, I think the real hard problem is I always go, I always aim upwards, like out of my league. That's the problem. Uh, I always aim out of my league. And and I feel like I'm a seven, uh, like a fat seven. Like if you're a seven, but you're also fat. I feel like I'm like, uh, was it Amy Schumer? Like, sometimes you're like, ah, she looks really hot. And then sometimes you're like, ooh, you know. I'm like, I'm like Amy Schumer. Um, I sometimes compare myself. I, I don't know if that's the best comparison, comparing myself to Amy Schumer. Um, but, yeah, I feel like 
I feel like as a like a almost 30 something as myself, I feel it's weird though cuz I've always been the young friend in all my friend groups. And so now all my friends are 30 and I'm like, ah, "I'm basically 30." And it's like you're there and you're like, "Oh, I ate your ass then 2 days later you ate Taco Bell." Um, I mean, the diarrhea is gross, but I'm glad I didn't eat your ass 2 day glad I ate your ass 2 days earlier than I did. Um, buddy, when when it comes to the ass, when it comes to anything ass-related, uh, and when you combine ass and sass, as sex, 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 um, it, it's it's like playing with fire. If, you, if you're gonna get burned, you know, it's like, you know, guy, like, and we're talking about this. Sorry for the gays. We're just dealing with the straights today. Um, it's like guys who have anal sex for the first time. And then get grossed out and upset that the girl accidentally shit on them. I'm like, you're 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 in the danger zone. Like you gotta grow the fuck up. Like if you if you you're with a girl and you're like you're both like let's try anal, and you try anal and you get shit on. Like you play with fire, you're gonna get burned. Like shut the fuck up and be like, oh, you're so disgusting. Oh, I'm never seeing you again. I'm like, shut the fuck up, grow the fuck up. It's like what the. It, you know, it's like guys who are grossed out by cellulite. First of all, I don't know what cellulite is. And to be honest, I'm not going to learn. Like, like, this is what cellulite looks like. Actually, I think I have Googled what cellulite looks like. And I'm like, I'm never going to notice that on someone else. Like, and, that, and that's also something, too. Like, you have weird things on your body that no one else is going to notice unless they point it out. Which, I'll be vulnerable right here. Um, if you ever looked at my smile or my face, anything, I had a really bad lip infection. So my left side, which I'm, if you're watching the show right now, um, right here, I'm pointing at it. Uh, the lip, my lip got really infected and it like blew up really big. Had to go to the emergency room, get to like take meds and get a shot in my ass. By a hot nurse, by the way. Um, the nurse was hot and that made it really uncomfortable when I sprained my back from the ass shot. I got, and she was like, you gotta get in your buttocks, and I know she said buttocks, because she had to be a professional, but it took me a couple moments to realize she was meaning my ass, and I kind of wish she would have said, yeah, I gotta shoot a shot in your ass, and I'm like, and I sprained my back, and my lip was infected, and it was not a good time, and uh, if you ever see me smile, it looks crooked, because uh, I had a lip infection, and the lip is stretched out, so it's like weird, so that's a weird uh, like appearance thing that I have that I'm not super happy about, but, uh, that's, the, that's like cellulite. Um, anyways, though, um, you didn't eat her ass after she had diarrhea. Um, you ate her ass in the best way possible. So shut the fuck up. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question. I've been talking way too much. Seven minutes have passed. Jesus. Am I a bad friend for being close with my homie's girlfriend? I've had a good friend for about 10 years, and his girlfriend and I became very close right before they started dating. A lot of people at school make jokes calling me Mr. Steal Your Girl or calling her a bad girlfriend. 
Obviously, if my friend told me he had a problem with it, I would distance myself from her. Both me and his girlfriend have talked to him about it, and he says that our friendship is fine with him. This reassured me for a bit, but the jokes kept on coming, and I can't help but feel like I'm getting in the way of their relationship. I spend a lot of time with her, but she never chooses me over him. We never do anything that may signify that we are anything more than friends, except spend a lot of time with each other in and outside of school. I have become closer with her than I ever was with my other friend. Is this wrong? I would really hate to lose her, but I would also feel really guilty if I was making him feel jealous or unimportant. So this is a very good um, debate, I feel like I have. Um, see, here's the thing. I'm like the, the single guy out of a group of, and like all my friends are like, with a very like significant other partner or basically partners or married to someone else. So I, I put myself, I'm going to talk about myself first. I'm going to, I put myself in the position of like, Hey, this idea of like, I'm really good friends with your husband slash partner. And so therefore I feel that we need to be friends too, because there is, there is the situation where, um, I, I, Luckily, I'm in a good situation right now with all my friends where their partners slash spouses I really do like and uh, I really approve of all the relationships. And like if I had a problem with it, I definitely would tell them, um, you know, there's I mean, I mean, problem. I say problems are like the obvious like marriage things, but like things that like upset me and keep me up at night. There's nothing like that. Um with that being said, though, like, I'd be friends with them, because honestly, though, when your friends, like, want to have a spouse, like, obviously, I feel like that's the package that comes with them. Like, if you're going to be friends with them, they're part of the package, and so I make sure I like them before I even approve of their marriage, and luckily, all of my friends have good spouses, even if some of them don't like me as much as, but I feel like I like them, so it's like, we can't hate me completely. And so I'm still getting invited to the wedding. Um, with your situation, I will talk about, however. Um, so from what it seems like, uh, I'm just kind of like thinking about like your situation. Um, as long as you have boundaries, I feel like every the situation is good. Like you as the guy has to set the boundaries. I can't speak for her. One, she didn't write me this question. Uh, two, um, I'm a guy, so I can at least tell you that. So there's like very strict boundaries you have to have. Um, one thing I would say though, is with your, the guy, the friend, um, be better friends with him than the girl. I know it's a little bit difficult, but you have to be better friends with him than her or else like you're going to want to fuck her at some point. Um, when I say fuck her, it's, I mean like, uh, her personality is so amazing and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, you, you really have to set up a boundary and limits of everything like that. Like, hey, we're really good friends. However, I love this guy more. And uh, so, be gone, thought. Do I have the... Which one's the soundbite? Uh... Ha, I got it. Um, so, yeah, no. I think that's the real thing. Uh, like that. And you also have to realize, and you have to think about it. This is self-reflection talking here. You have to talk to yourself, being like, do I want to, do I really want to be with this girl? Do I want to fuck this girl? Do I want to do that? And then you have to realize if the answer is no, that's the real question. Cause there's this, there's a girl in my life I'll talk about. 
And, you know, she would she would date a guy and then she'd become single and then I had to think to myself, do I wanna like start dating her again? And I had to think to myself, if she starts dating another guy, do I wanna fight for her? Do I wanna win her back? And the answer was always no. Like I don't wanna fight for her. I don't care that much about her. And uh that was that was like the perfect answer for me thinking here, like, do I wanna fight for her? And the answer was no. And I was like, I don't really care about her. It's just kind of convenience to me. Uh, so take everything I said and uh, apply it to your life because I don't know how to organize it at this point. Oh boy, here we go. How do you, as a guy, make a girl laugh? So I'm a 17-year-old male teen trying to improve my social skills as I've noticed that I could improve my way of socializing. I've seen guys in my surroundings that know how to communicate and socialize with people. They have ongoing conversations, make clever jokes, and seem like cool people. I also noticed that they interact with girls very well and can easily make them laugh. I want to work on this myself, but I don't know what girls find funny or attractive. I think it's worth mentioning that I am looking for a girlfriend so that also why I'm asking this question. What girls laugh about may also be subjective, maybe. Of course, I'm not an expert, but I suppose it's different with every girl. I want to be a smooth talker who can easily communicate with people and improve my social skills and mainly here be a funnier person. Uh, Person, if you have any tips or suggestions for me, it would be highly appreciated. Um, you asked the, like the hundred percent the correct person. Um, I am like the funniest man that's ever lived. That is not a stand-up comedian, and uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a good question. Um, you know, you obviously know I'm hilarious, and I'm just obviously hilarious. And girls find me the perfect catch. And honestly, I have to tell you to be vulnerable with you for a second that um, women, when they, they're interested in a man, they tend to laugh more at anything they say or any jokes they make, even if it's not funny. And that's a good sign that she's into you. However, I'm hilarious and I'm the funniest man that has ever existed. So therefore, that's why it's so hard for me to date. Um, Therefore, how do I teach you how to be funny? Because it's so natural to me. I have so much charisma, so much talent, so much suave, debonair, or whatever the fuck they call it these days, that I don't know if I'm able to teach you all this. Um, therefore, I went to wikihow.com uh, and searched how to make a girl laugh. So therefore, I'm going to... Uh, read all that information to you. Being funny in conversation. Step one. Uh, build up a repertoire of funny stories. While you don't want your hilarious uh, anecdotes to be too staged, it's a good idea to have a stock collection of amusing stories that you can reference in a pinch. Stock with general topics that are light and funny and try to avoid stories that are gross or intimate unless you know the girl well. Remember, just because your friends think it's hilarious doesn't mean she will, which is a very good story. Um, don't talk about your sex capades on it. Um, it's like 50% of what I do on this podcast. That would be a good story. Um, but also regardless, yeah, don't, you know what girls don't like to talk about? Um, girls, and then there's women who think 
some jokes are funny. Like, good jokes are funny. So you got to remember that. Step two, memorize some quality one-liners. One-liners are not the tools to reach for when you want to show off your sharp wit, but they can be great when you want to be silly. The cornier, the better. You can make them about her or go with something more general. Avoid awkward one-liners that are sexual in nature, though. Uh, contrary to popular belief, girls don't find those very funny. You might even make her uncomfortable. A few examples of funny one-liners you can try... Uh, did you tie my shoelace together because you got me tripping over you, girl? Don't try that. You have something beautiful on your face. Oh, wait, that's just you. And then a uh, computer once beat me at chess, but it was no match for me at kickbox. Okay, kickboxing. God damn it. Um, okay, don't try that. Don't try any of those. Figure out your own one-liners. Uh, creating your own style of humor by playing to your strengths. Think about stuff you do or say that cracks up your friends on a regular basis, especially your female friends. Female friends. If you're great at physical humor, go with that. If you're a master of mimicry and impersonations, give those a try. If sassy comebacks are your thing, try a few of those in her presence. Uh, just make sure you're lighthearted and not malicious. That's actually very good. Uh, learn... To laugh at yourself, don't go off the deep end with self-deprecation, but targeting some silly things about yourself may crack her up. Draw from your personal experience to learn to poke fun at yourself in the moment. For example, if you trip over something when you're walking with her, you could say, well, there goes my dream of becoming a runaway model. This lends the mood and also shows her you're laid back and comfortable with yourself. So this is a very good advice. Uh, learn to laugh at yourself, but you also have to have show that confidence too. Because uh, if you're, because the biggest attractive quality in a man is confidence. Like it's it's weird because men are like, I like her skinny and I like boobs and I like her ass. And then women are like, I like a guy who's like confident in himself. And I'm like, God damn it, that's harder than having an ass and a boobs. Um, shit like that. So you gotta act like like you have yourself put together. Because I went down a really bad path to self deprecating jokes and it did not work well for me. Uh. Five. There are way too many of these. <laughs> Make funny comments based on past conversations or situations with her. Um, you're going to have to feel that one out. Two, method two, send funny texts. Um, texting is so fucking hard these days. I don't think we're meant to be text messaging. Use the right kind of humor. Why are, half of these are like humor-based. Um, and that's it. So I hope that helped. Um because I'm, I'm hilarious. It's a little hard for me to help you, but, uh, how to make a girl laugh. Honestly, if she likes you, she'll laugh. Um, if not just be your, to be honest, be yourself and, uh, don't be super serious all the time. Be a little lighthearted. Have fun. That's, that's the big answer. Next question. When musicians are recording a video of themselves playing a cover of a song, why are they wearing health headphones? What are they listening to? Is it an instrumental of the song they're covering? Just the lyrics? If they are listening to a song, then how can they hear what they're playing themselves is correct? Um, yeah, so obviously, no, no, I'm not trying to offend you or anything, but obviously don't know anything about this. Uh, what What's basically happening, um, like I have headphones in right now. What I'm doing is monitoring myself because when I hear myself talking into the microphone, uh, it makes me talk in a different way as a performer to make sure that, uh, especially for the audio-only listeners, that 
my voice sounds pleasing to them. It makes it sound easier and makes a better podcasting experience. Uh, when musicians do something like that, why are they wearing headphones? So say it's a singer singing to an instrumental track. Uh, what's in their headphones is the instrumental track and hopefully it, a monitoring of their own voice because if they had if they're singing to a microphone and they're not wearing headphones, they basically have a speaker with the instrumental track, and that would also be picked up in the microphone. So therefore, the microphone is only picking up the singer's voice, and you can mix it into a mix and make it sound good for a YouTube cover. That's why kind of it's going in. So why we wear headphones, the reason why is because the headphones have the music, and that way the only thing being recorded is the vocals on the song, not anything else. Um, hope that ho- hopefully that helped. Um, hopefully, maybe I should do it. If you if you if y'all like this, leave comments and stuff like that. Uh, I can give you more recording tips, music tips, and stuff like that. So I know people like the Bible stuff, so I, I try to try to help out. So I'm hopefully doing more recording questions and stuff like that. Next question: How can dads abandon their kid when they find out the kid isn't theirs? I have seen. Many posts about husbands finding out their wives cheated on them and a child they have raised is not their blood. So the husband packs up and leaves. Now, I understand kind of if the child is young, but how can you do that if the child is a little older? You spent your life and all of their life with them. You are the only thing they know, if not their fault, they didn't know. Now they feel abandoned by the many they call dada as their first or second word. I understand it's a losing situation for everyone involved, but how can you abandon a child that loves you and you raised? I understand leaving your wife, but the child too? That hurts them the most. I don't understand how someone can just leave their kid. How can you just forget about the child? So here's the thing. So this is obviously you're a woman. So you're writing this as a woman trying to understand the situation. Um, here's the thing um, I, I really want you to understand when you hear this question. Now, I can't relate to this at all. So I'm, I'm giving this advice to someone who does not relate and just giving you like a third person perspective on this. Uh, as a woman, uh, you give birth to the child. And so giving birth to the child is the connection there is a connection there when you give birth to the child and men don't get that connection and that's why you know there's always such a difference between the mother and the child and the father and the child like that's the connection that a man giving birth to a child can never have a man who didn't give birth to the child can never have the person giving birth that's why i've always wondered especially i can't relate to this but i've always wondered the question uh do you relate more to someone who has the same mom as you or the same dad as you? And it's usually the same mom as you. Like, hey, you have different dads, but you have the same mom, so you relate to them. Hey, we have different moms, but we have the same dad, and those kids don't relate as much. It's There is something about you know having the same mom that is different. Um, I'm just talking as a serious person right now, not as a goofy podcast host. So, But yeah, no, there is something significant about loving a child and like, you know, you gave birth to them. So you, the nice thing about what women always have the confidence in knowing is the child is theirs. Women will always have that. But dads, however, you know, they're, you know, you're talking about a situation where like, say a couple years past, say the child is four years old, that man raised that child as if it's their own. 
And at four years old, he re- he learns the situation how that's not their child, and there's another father, and that guy is able to leave without any like emotional attachment. Um, here's the thing, though: there is somewhat of an emotional attachment to it. The problem is he feels betrayed, and there's a there's like a negative kind of energy towards that, where he's he's kind of just uh, like I've been fooled into raising this child i've been fooled into this and men men have to have a lot of pride and you're like men don't cry but like if you see a man cry you're not gonna want to fuck him you know so men have to be tough they have to be strong they have to be you know and it's not tough or strong to show that you've been fooled by a woman to take care of a child that isn't yours there is there's a pride in hey this is my child this is my son this is my daughter there's a pride in that but then when you're raising someone when you've been fooled into thinking your child is someone else's, especially in a situation like that, you feel so betrayed, you feel foolish, and stuff like that. Now, I know there's a lot of stepdad, great stepdads out there who are like, hey, she had a child before me, that's my child. You know, and I get that, and I, you know, I respect you a lot, and I really, I really do respect you and everything you do, but, but, you know, this, this is this, we're talking about this specific situation where you've been raising a child, as your own, but it's not your child, you've, (laughs) the word is foolish, but I've been bamboozled, you know, you feel like a fool, you've been, you know, like stuff like that, and then all of a sudden you learn that all the connection you have with this child is not necessarily that real. Um, for, For a woman, you know, obviously, you gave birth to that child, so that connection there makes it all real, but for a man, you have to realize there is that separation from it. You know, you want that child to make sure that child is yours and stuff like that. Um, there's so much more I could talk about this, but I feel like I have to end it there for uh, the time's sake. What? What? Uh, would you accept to have sex with a girl who has a scar on her crack butt? I'm going to use a little better grammar here. I had a surgery years ago for a pulling pylonidal cyst and it left a scar from the lower back till the upper part of the anus not easy to see it's hard to accept plus the scar is really not good looking i don't have a hairy butt as a girl neither but i'm afraid to explain and show this to a potential partner i don't want to traumatize anyone or disgust anyone Uh, i want to know if it's okay to have sex with this for a partner in a really lovely relationship um so, um, talking about like an older, like a normal aged guy, like an older guy, like late twenties or whatever, um, this should not be a problem. Like, uh, this guy should not be a problem. Like teenagers, maybe early twenties would have a problem with it, but it's not really a problem for someone, uh, in their early twenties. However, I do want to make a point here. Um, every man you'll ever be with is going to want to, want to know. What happened? And then you just say, hey, I had this uh, cyst on my back. I had to get it removed, but the, well, the scar never really healed that well. And well, didn't really give me a good scar. And I'm like, okay, that's not a big deal. Because, like, when you see a scar on a chick, it's like, oh, okay. It's like you just work around it or whatever. Um, stuff like that. I'm like, the scar, just think to yourself, because I've been watching, like I said, I've been watching a lot of Dr. Pope Popper. The scar is better than the cyst. And you have to think that way. The scar is better than the cyst. 
And I'm going to be honest with you, even younger guys, I think, you know, the guys you think would have a problem with this probably won't. Like, this isn't much, like, a good guy. A good guy's not going to have a problem with this. A bad guy is not, it's going to have a problem with it. But, like, a good guy that you're going to be in a relationship with is not going to have a problem with this. Like, this is so, like, you, like, you hear about this, you're like, yeah, uh, I'm, like, I have a really great body. However, uh, near my butt crack, I have a scar from a cyst I had. Uh, the cyst is gone, but it's just a scar. And most guys are going to be like, okay, thanks for telling me, but, uh, I don't care. So that's the, yeah, that's the only thing. So let's go on to the last question. Why aren't age gaps looked down upon when it's the woman that's older? Like, I never really understood why. For clarification, I'm in high school and also have autism. I've been in multiple relationships and people older than me, never a problem. In fact, when I was 13, I was in a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old girl and got nothing but praise. Fast forward about two years at 915, getting into a non-sexual relationship with a 13-year-old girl and get yelled at. This is where my autism comes in. Literally every relationship I've been in was with someone older than me, but as soon as I date someone younger, people lose their shit. This is what I know, so I don't see much wrong with it. I don't understand why. Okay, so... Um, see, as, like, an adult in their 20s or 30s, having a relationship with someone younger than you, like, in high school, um, you clearly know, mentally, there is something wrong there. Uh, obviously, in your situation, I want to talk about it a little bit differently. Um, the, the idea, the idea of, like, men dating someone way too younger than them, uh, the idea why that's wrong is because it's an adult taking advantage of someone who's young, who doesn't know better and will mentally take advantage of them. That's the real reason why an older, like someone way too old dating someone who's way too young is a problem. That's the real problem with why that, you know, in, in a nutshell, why that's a problem. Um, you're 15 dating someone that's 13. Um, see, it's weird dating as a kid because, okay. So like, you know, you date someone, seven years older than you. So I'm 28. If I date someone seven years older than me, there's no problem right now. However, if I was, say, I was 15 and I was dating someone who was 22, there's a big problem. So it's, you know, the age gaps get better when you get older, but uh, when you're younger, it's kind of hard. Um, I don't know who's giving you problems, but it uh, sounds like you may be in high school and she's in middle school. So that's probably the problem. So Age gaps, what I'll tell you, while you're in, like, school, like, the school you're forced to go to, um, those are always going to be a problem. That's always going to be really weird and always going to be a problem. When you get older, it's not that big of a deal. Um, the real problem is men taking advantage of younger women. When you talk about the age gaps, those are always the problem. Uh, if you're talking the other way, sometimes women can take advantage of men, but it's never looked as frowned upon because... The men technically can't consented to it, but there is some gray areas there that can be a problem. So that's always something I would I would say. A lot of gray areas um, in your situation. Obviously, um, it's basically where you're at in school. Uh, as adults, though, um, age gaps uh, 
aren't as bad, but can be bad. But the real problem is men taking advantage of younger women. That's really the big problem that occurs in regards to age gaps and why people do have problems with them. So that's how I want to answer those problems and be gone. That's how I want to end in this. Anyways, though, that's how we're ending today's episode of Cancel Shweezy. Uh, men... Uh, don't take advantage of younger women. That's how we're ending it. So thank you so much for uh, checking out this episode of Cancel Schwizzy. I, I think this was our best episode ever, and I can't imagine that we've done any worse than this. Uh, so thank you for checking out Cancel Schwizzy, a.k.a. the Lord's Trademark Favorite Podcast. Go follow us all on social media, at the Schwizzy, anywhere that you do get your podcast. Check out my music uh, under Schwizzy. Uh, wherever you stream music, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, Amazon, YouTube. Uh, go check out our Twitch page. We are playing video games over there. Amazon Prime, obviously, connect the two. Give us a subscribe. Help us financially. And if you want to help us financially even more, check us out on Patreon. Uh, do you financially support the show? Thank Say thank you for being a friend. But uh, don't forget all the free shit you can do. Uh, for YouTube, people, obviously, give us a subscribe. Uh, Give us a like on everything we do. Leave a comment on your thoughts, comments, concerns, questions. We're more happy to answer those. And everything you do, share our highlights with your friends because obviously your friends need to be here with you uh, to build build my army. And uh, if you're an audio-only listener, obviously share with your friends. Leave us a review and give us a star rating, whatever you feel like is appropriate so uh with all that being said we are gonna finish this episode today so uh as i look up to the bumper sticker i hung up on my wall thank you josh casey honk if you love butt drugs and uh stay awesome believe it or not schweg isn't at home please leave a message at the beep i must be out or i pick up the phone Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hey, you just finished a full episode of Cancel Sweezy. Thank you so much. Wherever you are listening or watching this show, make sure you smash that subscribe button that we can get notified anytime we release new episodes. And uh, like I said before, honk if you love butt drugs and uh, stay awesome.